Amen. Amen. Nehemiah, the first, the first chapter, and we're going to begin at verse uh, number one. Nehemiah, the first chapter, and we're going to begin at verse one. Again, we have the, the uh, church anniversary coming up May the, May the 9th, and uh, we're working on the menu for that. So, so, so Sheila's going to sing about four solos that day. <laughs> okay, Nehemiah, everybody have Nehemiah the first chapter? And it says, the words of Nehemiah, and it's so long because I'm going to cover from chapter, the first chapter through the second chapter because I was going out to Sunday school lesson this morning. And uh, I'm not going to read it all, but in the comfort of your own time, your own home, I encourage you to just go back and read the rest of it. <clears throat> and it said, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Halaya, and it came to pass in the month of Ch Chalus, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, the Hananiah, one of my brethren, came and came. He and certain men of Judea, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captiv captivity during the province are in the great affiliation and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that kept heaven confident and mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandments. Let thy ear now be attentive, and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of Jerusalem, and confess the sins of Jerusalem. Lost my... the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgment which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Now I'm going to go over to uh, verses chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse number 2. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should, why should my countenance 
be sad when the city, the palace of my father, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what doest thou make, make request? So I prayed to God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judea, until thou wouldest send me unto Judea, unto thy city of my father Scriptures, that I may build it. We thank God for the reading of his word, ask him to sanctify the hearts and the hearers thereof. I want to talk this morning about the key to rebuilding. Amen. The key to rebuilding. And I want, and I hope this sermon here encourages believers and everybody to uh, know that there's nothing that God cannot do this morning. Because a lot of people in today's society, we know we, we are living in, some people are living in a hopeless life, a hopeless uh, society to where, because so much is going on. We're living through a pandemic for over, a little bit over a year now, and some homes are destroyed. Relationships, as we were talking about last, last year, are destroyed. But there is hope because we serve a God who is able to do anything exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask him to do. Anything, any, anything but fail. That's the, that's the God we serve. So I hope this message is here this morning. Hip, uh, hip. <clears throat> the setting is about, in this uh, text, 500 years before the time of Christ. God, people had lived in Israel for centuries before God had told them. He said, he told them, before he said, obey me and you will live in the land for a long time. And he said, disobey me and you'll be carried into captivity. That's what happened. The Babylonians came and conquered God's people and took the leading citizens a thousand miles away. But the discipline was ending several years before Nehemiah's days. Some of God's people were given permission to return to Jerusalem to rebuild a broken down temple in a broken down city. But the attempts to rebuild the protective wall around the city destroyed the Babylonians in 586 BC had been frustrated by some of the enemies of Judea. Now we studied Ezra uh, last Sunday, Ezra 4 and 1. As a result, very people, few people lived in the capital city in Nehemiah 11, as the Jerusalem was a city of ruins. Nehemiah lived in a royal city of Sosa, the residence of Atarius, the preserving king of Judea in the homeland of Nehemiah was found a thousand miles away. Nehemiah was the cupbearer 
to the king. He was more than just a butler. A cupbearer held a position of a great responsibility. At each meal, he tested the king's food. Every time the king drunk something, he had to test it because he was a king cupbearer. He made sure the king's food was not poisoned. Of him, he died, then the king would not have died. It don't sound like a great job, but a man who stood that close to the king in public had to be a handsome, cultured, and knowledgeable, and, and able to advise the king when asked to, because he had access to the king. The cupbearer was a man of great influence. The cupbearer was rather like a prime minister and a master of ceremonies. You know, any, a, a cupbearer, any time, uh, uh, I know this lady here, uh, there in, uh, in El Dorado, she have a cupbearer because any times uh, she go off to preach or she going to her pulpit, her cupbearer goes before her uh, to bring, she, he, her cupbearer totes her bower and lay her bower there before her before she goes to preach and have her water there before as she claimed, calls her to be. The cupbearer. But the words of Nehemiah, the son of Holocaust, now it happened in the month of Shizzle, in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hananiah, if I'm pronouncing it right, one of my brothers and some men from Judea came and I asked concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity of Jerusalem. They said to me the remnant that are in the province, providence of who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and gates are burned with fire. But the bad news was that Jerusalem was flattened, gates burned, uh, the, the morale was low, but near my carriage about the glory of God and the good of the people in Jerusalem. Now near my hills, the Jerusalem Jews were living in desperate days. The city was ruined, the reproach was bad, but instead of a magnified city, Jerusalem was in shambles and what had once been great a great glory that was now nothing but a great reproach. God was being dishonored as long as Jerusalem lay waste. This was a place where the reality of God's presence would be experienced in love and in mercy. By those who sought him, it was not happening. So Nehemiah was so concerned about the city of Jerusalem. Yes, the introduction to the sermon, although a brief explanation is that the uh, setting and the, the foretelling of that we see today in the world, in our country, in our homes, in relationships, in school, in jobs, our finances, children, and even in the church is in brokenness and in ruins. And, in, and, 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 and just as, as some of the people of Israel were given the permission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, so it, it was as believers have been given the permission to rebuild our world, our country, and our homes. Look how you had, we had in 20, we had a president, 
uh, Donald Trump. Now, when Trump left office, we got another president coming in trying to rebuild our country, rebuild our economy. Uh, the same way our, our school system, our jobs, our health, our finances, our children going to school, and even here in our, our churches. Now, let's, let's be true to ourselves and to one another. To rebuild is going to take hard work and diligence. At the task, however, remember this one simple thing that to rebuild, it is not impossible to rebuild. As I said earlier, God is able to do anything but fail. But the story here, Naomi, shows us that the restoration is possible when things are done the right way. Remember, the, the, the Bible said to let, let, let things be done decent and in order. And everything will go smooth and well. But Naomi shows what it takes to rebuild and to restore the broken down walls of our lives. The question is, what does it take to rebuild and to restore the ruins? And here's the answer. We often talk about prayer. Prayer is the key to rebuild. Prayer is the answer. The secret to Nehemiah's success was not his knowledge. It was not his ability uh, that he knew the influence of even his money. But the secret to Naomi, Nehemiah's success was prayer. Prayer is one of the overriding things of the book of Nehemiah's success. Nehemiah, there are prayer in anguish, joy, protection, depending, and his commitment. It's a story of compassionate, persistent, person, and corporate prayer. Prayer will change things. And I'm going to tell you six, I don't want to be too long, but there are six essential things I want to talk about uh, from verses 1 through 4. Here what verses 1 through 4 teach us regarding prayer and rebuilding before you do anything. When, they told, when, I, when I would begin preaching, they said, before you start preaching, you need to pray. Before you do anything, pray about it. Uh, the pastor told me, he said, much prayer, much power. Look prayer, look power. No prayer, no, no power. But uh, Nehemiah received bad news of what happened to the walls in Jerusalem. His immediate response was to start praying for many days. And the first point teaches us uh, three things about the priority of prayer. And the first thing about the uh, prayer is you need to be concerned. We ought to be concerned with the state of the brokenness of our homes, our country. As like again, last real preached by Sunday, we should be concerned about our relationships. We should be concerned about our finances, our health, our church. But it teaches us that we should be concerned and not the victim. A lot of times we play a victim role in our situations. We should be consistent 
Psalm would ask, how long did Nehemiah pray? My answer would be, for many days, the length of days is not a concern as much as how consistent Nehemiah was. In other words, God uh, is not concerned about how long, how long you pray, but he is concerned about how consistent what in the job that we are doing. And because uh, Paul tells us that we should pray without season. Am I right about it? And, and, and not only that, we should watch our conduct because Nehemiah could have reacted with anger and depression. But Nehemiah didn't deal with, uh, but he dealt out of faith. You see, from going from receiving bad news to proud means you can't change the situation. But you know the person who could change the outcome. <laughs> Grandma, mama always said he may not come when you want him to. But we serve a God who is always on time. Yeah, in, 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 in the, we should, we, the perspective of prayer in rebuilding, now <clears throat> we're going to go through first, this is 5 through 11. Near my praise, near my hand, adoration. And Nehemiah prayed to a God who is able. Now, I keep saying that word, who is able to do anything. Because sometimes we sell our guys short. Because uh, Nehemiah prays to a great and awesome God. And when you focus on the person of God, of God, the situation does not seem as bad as you think. Because you know a man. Am I right about it? <laughs> Abraham knew of uh, a, uh, Abraham knew the greatness of God when he was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac for his sacrifice. Moses knew the greatness of God when they approached the Red Sea and they was and the sea divided. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew the greatness of God when uh, Nebuchadnezzar told them that that was going to burn. Daniel knew the greatness of God when he was thrown down in the den of lions. Job knew the greatness of God because when times get hard, we need somebody to call upon. Friends may turn their back on you, but we know a man. Am I right about it? Amen. When, when, when I, we have more money going out than we got income coming in, we should know a man who is able to do anything but fail. That's the type of God we know. We serve a great and mighty God. Well, Nehemiah knew the submission of his relationship in rebuilding the city. If rebuilding is going to take place, it must be done with prayer. There are a whole lot of relationships that's destroyed. There are marriages that's destroyed. There are homes that's destroyed. There are uh, uh, jobs are destroyed. But there are ways in rebuilding uh, the relation. The, the, there are ways in rebuilding the the, uh, the, the to re refine those broken homes, jobs, or whatever the case may be, through prayer. 
We cannot rebuild based on our philosophies, opinions, what other folks think. We can't rebuild, we can't build and rebuild based, we can't we can build and rebuild based upon the word of God. Because the scripture says that my word would not return unto me void. In verse 6, he didn't start praying for himself. Verse 6 says that Nehemiah uh, prayed to God for the children of Israel day and night. Sometimes we pray our selfish prayers for ourselves. But here's the point. We cannot rebuild and forget about those who are part of the brokenness. George Mount have a, have a book, wrote a book, and it's a great book. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. Sometimes you got to take things back by force. Whatever the devil stole from you, you can go to the enemy camp and take it back. The Bible said we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask amiss. But he said, ask and it shall be given. If you see, you're fine. If you knock, the door will be open. But we have to get in position and line up with the word of God. That man is able. He's already willing to do it. But we have to get in position. But we cannot forget about others while we're going through uh our brokenness. Because there are only three, three phases in life. Is you're either in a storm or you just come out of a storm or you're headed into a storm. Because the Bible said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he, always, he also reap. Because depending on how you treat others while they're going through their storm, we're determined on how you are treated when you're going through your storm. I'm finna hear you, y'all. And, and, and let, let me say this as a, as a as a as a as a as one of the leaders of the church. We have a responsibility to pray for other people and, and for those God who have placed up over us. And it's very important for uh, me uh, and Braille as ministers uh, to pray for our membership. And, and, and folks, you are not exempt also from uh, for praying for other people. That's our job as a Christian. That's our duty is to pray, keep one another lifted, lifted up in prayer. Intercessory prayer is, uh, is stepping into the gap for another person. And the reason many of us are here today because somebody prayed. For us, uh, we some of us are still living off grandma, uh, great grandma, and Betty Sue, Betty Sue, all them. We still living off somebody else's prayers, but we don't forget to pray for other people. But why did Nehemiah pray? Nehemiah prayed out of concern for the destruction of Jerusalem, and right now we all be praying out of concern for the construction of the United States. We should be praying our construction uh, for Mount Pleasant, for our homes, 
our jobs because so just look here last three weeks there have been so there was a shooting at FedEx there was a shooting uh uh in so many places look and look look we should be praying for the what Guthrie family the girl they found dead in at the LSU student we should be that was so sad but we should be praying for them we ought to be praying for one another the Paul said pray without season Nehemiah had a love for Drew, and we ought to have a love for one another and for our city, our town. Pray without ceasing. When things begin to get rough and get tough and get hard, start praying. Stop calling our friends. Get off Facebook and put your mind in the book. Just stay on the word of God. Get in tune with God and let this stuff go. And we will be together. The Bible said over in Psalms, when one person prays, it's in 10,000. How about you start praying, let's send 10 more thousand. Another person pray, let's send another 10,000. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount like wings of eagles. You can run and not faint. But Nehemiah had a love for Jerusalem. And the purpose of his prayer was for the opportunity to rebuild the walls. And in the end, chapter 1, Nehemiah prays of great mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Atarius. And his sole purpose was to taste the king's food and to drink and to make sure there was no poison before king, the king started to eat. Now, Nehemiah had, could have stayed right where he was in the palace if he was like some of us. See, some of us, when things are going pretty good for us, when we hear news of tragedy hitting somebody else, we'll say, oh, that's all right. That wasn't me. Uh, it wasn't my home. But in response to it, the effect, we should be, be in the palace, we should all say all is well. We should start praying for somebody else. But Nehemiah sees the opportunity to see in the church and as people of God, we need to learn to not fight for prestige and privilege, but seek opportunities through the avenue of prayer. Nehemiah goes before the king, Atarius, and the king knows something strange is going on with Nehemiah. Nehemiah explains his broken heart over the broken city of Jerusalem. The king asks Nehemiah, what do you request? Nehemiah responds in verse 4, he says, so I pray to God of heaven. And here's a lesson to, to learn. Pray before you speak. Pray before you speak. A lot of folks mess up a lot of things simply because we don't know how to pray. Simply because we don't know how to speak to other folks. We miss the number of opportunities because we don't Pray before we speak. 
We have doors closed in our faith because we didn't pray about it. We have windows closed on us because we, forget, we failed to pray about the situation. But Nehemiah prayed first, and the result of, of the, that prayer led him to make the right request to God. He said, send me to Judea that I may rebuild it. Here's the instruction so I can move on. The next time you ask, what do you request? He said, tell them, give them a minute. I, can, I need to pray about it. And the, the provision, uh, the provision prayer in rebuilding, and I'm going to cover 2, 1 through 6, then we're going to close it out. Uh, the pr provision in rebuilding, Naomi has been given the opportunity to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, but however, his opportunity did not come empty-handed. There are provisions made before the journey. And, and, and he said, moreover, it's, and we're going to, in verse 7, he said, moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let others be given be given to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come unto Judea. And let in a letter unto Asaiah, Asapa, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beans for the gates of the palace, which obtain for the houses and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. Uh, the king granted me according to the good hand of God upon me. Now, that, like I said, there are provisions to be made on a journey. There are pro uh, provisions made to rebuild. He had an army. He had vision. He had workers. And, and, and everybody did their part. And you know, the, the Bible tells over in, uh, Paul said, uh, well, his Bible says over in Corinthians that we are uh, a church, but we have, we have many members. Because the hand don't operate without the arm. The arm don't operate without the shoulders. But we have a body, it's a many members. But everybody's serving the same purpose. When Nehemiah received permission to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, his trouble began immediately. After the king had given the, the okay in verse 10 of chapter 1, it is that that were, uh, that were introduced, Sanballat and Tobiah, Chapter 1 verse 6 said they got disturbed. Now, every time you start doing things right for the Lord, trouble going to come. All hell going to break loose. You get your car paid off, the motor go out. You, buy, uh, you uh, get your washing machine, uh, uh, and it start working. Something going to break down, uh, your ceiling fan going to go out. When, there's, when you're doing things right for the Lord, sure enough, trouble going to arise. But, but the Bible said over the book of John, he said, but be a good cheer because I have overcome the world. Trouble going to rise your life, but don't give up because trouble don't last always. <laughs> Their joy is coming. But the trouble increase. When Sabella gets furious, <clears throat> he moves the Jews. He makes threats to tear down the walls. We find them, my prayer request goes against their enemies. 
Sanballat and Tobiah. And in the midst of his prayer, Sanballat and Tobiah gets very angry and begins to unfold a plan to attack the Jews. But Nehemiah kept on praying. Prayer is the believer's secret weapon in a spiritual warfare. If you turn me to Ephesians 6 and 18, he told us that we all to put on the whole armor of God because prayer protects us from the enemy. Prayer gives us the endurance to fight against our enemies. Prayer will change things. We learned that Nehemiah, he kept on fighting when the trouble began to get hard. Nehemiah, he kept on working when things didn't go right. Nehemiah kept on standing on the word of God. And I come to tell you, just keep on waiting on Jesus. Because every time things begin to fail in your life, put your hope and your trust in the almighty God. We ought to be like Nehemiah to rebuild our homes and rebuild our relationships. There are times when things begin to get rough. But Jesus told us to just wait upon him. We ought to learn how to wait on the Almighty God. We had the same problem when we was not able to live and was not fit to die. And when we needed somebody to stand in the gap for our sins, when we were so messed up and broken, we had to be rebuilt all over again. God said, I need somebody to go down and redeem mankind. That's when Jesus said, Daddy, prepare my body and I'll go down and redeem mankind. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He came down through 42 long generations. He was born in a little town called Bethlehem. He was laying there in an old little manger. He had three wise men by his side. He walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem for 33 long years. I can see me healing the sick, raising dead, and opening blind man's eyes. But there's something about the name Jesus. I get joy when I call his name. There is love in that name. There is peace in that name. All is hope in that name. Jesus, he healed the sick. The first thing he done to rebuild our broken lives. He went to a wedding one day and they ran out of wine. Mary said, do what he told you to do. He filled the pots of water to the rim. And he said, he turned water into wine. And that's always some of the best for the last person. Because he told him to take it down to the governor. And the governor told him, you say, the best for last. But Jesus... He healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blind man's eyes. He rebuilt us because he went to an old rugged, cro rugged cross. They hung him down, hung him high, stretched him wide.
He stayed there from the six to the ninth dogs. His head fell like on his shoulder. They pierced him in his side. Took him down from the cross, laid him in the tomb. He went down to the pits of hell. And he preached the gospel. He fought to the keys back from old Satan. On that third day, he said, I, I got to go. He said, y'all going with me? Come on. Rose again that third day morning. He rebuilt us by dying upon the cross for you and I. So that you and I may have the right to the tree of life. He said, I come to give you life, life more abundantly. So as we close today, there may be somebody here standing in the need of prayer. You don't have to, if it's not for you, you may be on standing again for somebody else. But he, he gave us that right. And before we leave it here today, he wants to, before we close our eyes tonight, will you reunite with him in heaven? For tomorrow is not promised. Today is at hand. We need to be making sure that we know who we serve. We need to make sure. As everybody, as we stand.